It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. It's Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast with myself, Nix, and Naomi for episode 11. Naomi, how are you going? I'm good, Nikki. I can't believe we're at episode 11. We're in double digits. We're a teen, almost a teenager as a podcast. Oh Is gosh. that a thing? <laughs> that, I don't know. I think it must be, though, because, I mean, yeah, I think, well, I think we should celebrate being a teenager again. We should. We should, we should go out for a big night. No, look, um, we just want to say quickly thank you so much to everyone who listened to episode 10. Of course, our first guest joining us is not over yet. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, if you didn't already listen to it, our very first interview plus um, talking about triplets, Naomi, where can you find it? At Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast. And we're so grateful because Janelle has decided to join us for part two of her story. Uh, Naomi, if I'm correct, when we finished this, we were pretty much at that point where Janelle was about to have these triplets. She was. And you know what? I listened back to it today and it was uh, no different to actually when we recorded it last week. Um Listening to it just brought back so many emotions for yeah. myself, but I just couldn't picture her being in the position that she was put in on several times. So I'm really looking forward to continuing on, on with this and finding out a bit more. Me too. Let's get into it right now. Part two of our very first triplet story. Janelle joining us next on Talking Twins and More. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com. As we said before, we're very excited to be joined by our very first guest for this podcast. Uh, For part two of her story, we're so grateful that she shared so much of her journey last podcast. And we got up to that point, Naomi, where she's about to give birth to these triplets. Janelle, thank you so much for joining us again. No problem. Thanks for having me again. So, Janelle, um, I had one question that I'd really like to know is, um, did you know what gender the babies were? Did you find out the sexes? You know, we weren't going to find out if it was just going to be a singleton. After all that, knowing every step of the way through the IVF journey, I mean, everybody knew from the moment we got the big fat positive that we were pregnant. And we wanted something to be a little bit of a, a surprise element. But once we found out it was triplets, it was all a little bit overwhelming. And we thought, well, kind of need to be able to prepare some things uh, so that we're ready to take yeah. on these three little beings into the mm. world. And uh, I think I was still in two minds. I, I didn't want to know. I still wanted that surprise factor. But I figured <laughs> being told you're about to have triplets was probably a big enough surprise factor as it was. So we did end up finding out. We waited until the 17-week mark because uh, before that, they told us that it was probably a 50-50, well, a 33-33-33 as to what they could be. And um, as it turns out, they said at the 17-week scan, there was, I think it was about an 80% chance that they were all boys. And then by 24 weeks, the boys finally cooperated and they were able to confirm that they were, in fact, all boys. And we thought for sure there would probably be a mix of genders and we thought, oh, we'll probably get maybe two boys, one girl, or two girls, one boy, whatever it might be. And when it came back as all three boys, my husband is an avid Canberra Raiders supporter. (laughs) And he was like, yes, I've, I've nearly got a football side ready to go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so how did you feel, Janelle? Because I know, I mean, Naomi and I haven't actually got to this part of our podcast, but I know for me it was a very emotional thing deciding to find out um, the sexes. How did you feel knowing it was three boys? Well, I figure after eight years, it was, we didn't really care what gender they were. It, it wasn't a, a deal for us. We just wanted to be parents. Yeah. And their gender didn't play into it at all. I think there's so many people out there that would agree with you. Mm-hmm. I didn't find out what we were having. Um, I know Nikki did. And as Nikki just said, we will get to this later on when we come back to our stories. But um, I was the same as you. I just wanted to be a parent. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be a mother. And I really didn't care you know, what gender my babies were. Yeah, we had lots of people saying, oh, don't you wish there was a girl in the mix? And Honestly, we, we really didn't, it didn't factor in at all. It was just a case of we're just happy 
to finally be parents no matter what they are. And uh, we were constantly being asked, oh, so you're going to go again? You'd be crazy if you do. We're like, well, your <laughs> our fertility is really none of your business. <laughs> we will uh, we'll just see where life takes us, really. Oh Isn't that funny, the questions that people <laughs> feel that they are able to say to you, or statements, I should say, and questions that people feel that they're able to say to you. I get, because I've got the boy and the girl, oh, you've got a pigeon pair you don't need to have anymore. And I get exactly the same, and I'm sure you would have got this, Janelle, as well. Well, you've got two boys, surely you want a girl. And it's like, well, thank you for making that assumption for us. There were really two camps. There was no down the middle. It was either, oh, so you're going to try for a girl, or, oh, you've got three, you're done now, right? (laughs) Oh, what a lovely family. Stop. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? In general, how did you prepare for the triplets? Like from the first thing that you bought to getting yourself in the headspace of then packing your bags and being ready for these three beautiful bubs to come home? I am a perpetual planner. I plan everything in my life to the nth degree. It does my husband's head in from going to the groceries to planning holiday to anything in life I've got a plan for it I'm with you (laughs) everything I need to learn these skills (laughs) I had all our finances planned in a spreadsheet I had everything we needed to buy everything that family said that they were going to help buy for us uh organized and when I needed to or when I needed to purchase it by in terms of what week of pregnancy I was in so we had everything purchased by week 26. The doctors have said most triplet pregnancies will go anywhere from usually 28 to 32 weeks. So we had planned for delivery somewhere around there. And I want I didn't want to go right up to 28 weeks and not have anything purchased. So I brought back to 26 weeks and made sure that everything was in place by then. So uh, we bought a new car during that period. We got all of their cots, all their car seats, the prams. I had to get the, the pram imported. Um, all the various different things that we had to organise for uh, the pregnancy. I had a full-on diary of when my appointments were, uh, when I had to, as I think I mentioned in the last podcast, I ended up with gestational diabetes. So in my diary, I had tests blood pressure reading, sugar levels, my food intake, any medicines I had to take. Uh, my doctor had me monitoring baby movements. So I was documenting all of that. I think you're getting the gist <laughs> of just how much I was planning this. <laughs> but I think in one way, did that help you feel in control? It did. It really did help, uh, particularly at times when the babies were quiet and it used to stress me out thinking, oh, is everything okay? And you hear all of these horror stories of things going wrong. And as I said, being that planner and needing to have that control, having everything diarised and making sure that I put everything in place, all I had to do then was focus on carrying these babies successfully through to delivery. It, It certainly did help my mindset. And I think that's part of the reason why I ended up being able to carry them for as long as I did. Janelle, can I ask a weird question? But when you talk about the movement and having to track the movement, with three, did you feel like you knew which bub or was it confusing? Because I felt like I always knew with the two which one of the twins were moving and if one of the boys was moving less than the other, I I kind of had like a sixth sense, like towards the end of my pregnancy, um, twin A wasn't moving as much and I kept saying to the doctor, something's not right here. Did you, were you able to sort of identify which of your triplets were moving? I could. So from 22 weeks, I was measuring what a full-term pregnancy would be. So fairly well from about 18 weeks, I could well and truly feel where each baby was positioned. So they were sort of in a love heart, love heart shape. I had my identical twins on either side of my belly and my fraternal son was right down the bottom and he would constantly kick the crap out of my cervix. So I certainly knew where he was at any given point. Hey, Nikki, I just realised. The what? questions that you and I are asking Janelle are the exact I questions know. that we get 
I thought of being asked. I literally I just wrote three questions <laughs> down off the back of that. One of those being that the two others. It's going to blow your mind when I ask these because you're going to roll your eyes and say, doesn't everybody ask these questions? I know. We've become those people. Sorry, Janelle. <laughs> That's okay. All good. Uh, but it's look, so funny, isn't it? Oh, it is. And you don't realise how naturally those the inquisitive questions come to you until you're in the flip side, like asking a triplet parent as opposed to being a singleton asking a twin parent. So sorry, Janelle. <laughs> That's totally fine. I'm happy to share. But I do have to ask because we get a lot of posts about this and I see a lot of posts. Um, this is the most random question ever. It's totally off topic. But what car did you buy? Because the number of people that I see have got either twins and a singleton or something like that. And they're always going, what car should I get? So do you have any advice on vehicles? Look, I have been through four cars since having the boys. I am terrible at holding on to a car long term. But it was a huge lesson learned for me buying the car just before I had the boys. I was two weeks off giving birth to the boys when I bought the car. I thought we had a Toyota Cruiser before having them. And it was only a five-speeder. And we do a lot of trips up to see, New, uh, see family up in Newcastle. And I thought, well, how's that going to work with taking my mum or my mother-in-law up to Newcastle with us, we wouldn't have enough car seats. So we made a last-ditch effort right at the 11th hour to upgrade to the Nissan Pathfinder. And I loved the car initially, but the problem was being, what was I at that point, 33 uh, weeks pregnant with the boys, I couldn't even test drive the car. Mm. I bought it just off the spec, and the car dealer sold me the car telling me that I could put a crab bar across the back of the car and be able to put anchor points in to put the boys in the back. As it turns out, he completely lied to me and uh, I bought the car on that lie. And on our first trip to Newcastle when the boys were five months just before we went, I went to have the crab bar installed and the installation guy said, yeah, we can not put a crab bar in here where you need to put it uh, there's air conditioning vents on either side of the car and to tether it then to the ground, there was a secret compartment in the floor that meant we also couldn't put it in the floor. So from that moment forward, the car sort of became a massive paperweight for me and I couldn't wait to get rid of it. But from there, we then upgraded to the Ford Territory. And now with an extra baby, we've got the Kia Carnival and I always said I wouldn't end up with a soccer mum car, but honestly, it's the best car for our situation. It's like you've got the great big walk-through path down the middle that I can easily just walk in and do all the kids up and not have to worry about becoming becoming a contortionist in order to get into the back seat <laughs> to buckle everyone up. Great tip. You know, so many people I know, even just with, with a set of twins, they just love their Kia Carnival. Mm. Yes. They really are great and they just keep going. Because that's the yeah. thing, you don't think, even if you've just, you know, twins or triplets or whatever, you, you then start to think, and Naomi, you'd be able to re- relate to this, the friends and like taking the kids' friends then in the car because that's the situation we've started thinking about. Absolutely. And can I just tell you one thing? Ours have just turned eight and um, we've, we've, we've taken them out of car seats now. Um, only just in the last couple of weeks and just the freedom that that has given (laughs) us in terms of them being able to jump into a car with a friend or for us to take somebody else and things like that it's just it's the the next level of freedom congratulations Naomi I know (laughs) I look forward to that day (laughs) yeah hey Janelle you just touched on something else which really fascinated me and again I'm being one of those mums but um you said you had to get your pram imported that's right. I had the ABC Adventure Buggy, which comes from New Zealand. So I had, it, had to have it shipped over from New Zealand. And that's the one with the two at the bottom and the one at the top? That's right. <laughs> and not being the most tallest person in the world, it was a nightmare to, to see over the top of. And it was so wide, I had to plan my day around where I could fit my pram through what doors. That is quite funny because I heard that... <laughs> I, can I never even thought about the height. Time. Yeah, I didn't As think a very tall person myself, I never even considered the height factor. 
Yeah. The width was <laughs> a big I thing to me. To around the side, and oh. I, I took out so many people's ankles. <laughs> you can't judge the depth of the pram, so I'd constantly be ramming into things and people and doors and goodness knows what. Like I said, it's funny now, wasn't at the time, and the day I got rid of that pram was a, a marvellous day. Honestly, I felt just with the twin one that it was enormous. I can only imagine with three it would have been, yeah, quite the obstacle. And, and every time you try to go into a cafe just for a coffee, everyone stares you down. Exactly. Uh, it was it was hard enough going out and people seeing that you had three teeny tiny little babies. They were a magnet in themselves. But then when you go into a cafe or the shopping centre, whatever it might be, and you've got this great big monstrous pram, people would just stare and it was like a magnet. But it, people would be drawn to you and then you get all of the random questions thrown at you. We have totally digressed, and I apologise for that. Naomi. <laughs> we have, but that's okay. These things happen, and it's all interesting stuff that people I, will find useful. I got totally caught up in the car and the pram. Sorry. That's Naomi, true. let's continue, because I don't even think we've got to the birth story yet. No. So, Janelle, we're really hoping that you will share your birth story with us. Now, Nikki and I haven't got to our birth stories yet. Um, okay. So... Yeah, this is our first birthing story, so we're quite excited about this. All right, great. Let's get into it. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi, thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com. So, Janelle, we're getting up to the exciting part. So now we're going to move on to your birthing story. So Nikki and I haven't actually shared our birthing story, so technically you're our first birthing story on Talking Twins and More. Woo! Excellent. I'm looking forward to this bit. So how far, uh, so did you get admitted to hospital on bed rest or anything? I didn't. I was out shopping the morning I went in for my pre-admission check. No so way. I made it through to, for my pre- uh, pre-admission check, I was 34 plus 5. Wow. And that morning I was out getting a few last minute things ready for the boys. And uh, went in that afternoon with hubby to go in and check blood pressure and things like that to make sure everything was on track. And as it turns out, I wasn't allowed to leave due to um, finding out I had preeclampsia. And I was Ah. totally in denial. I went into that pre-admission check because I wasn't due to then go into the following Tuesday for a cesarean. So at that pre-admission check, I was just planning for them to do the vitals, all of that does, and then be on my merry way, have the weekend to get myself mentally prepared for the cesarean and do a last-minute clean of the house, change the seats, make sure everything was in place in the boys' room. We had all their bottles stored, my pumps stored, all of that sort of stuff, all ready to go. So when the nurse said to me, oh, this doesn't look good, I get quite high blood pressure and protein in my urine and uh, I can't remember I think there's other symptoms that they said oh this is classic preeclampsia and then when my blood came back and said yeah you're not going anywhere I burst into tears I was not not ready <laughs> I, as silly as that sounds yeah. considering I said just previously that my doctor said to plan anywhere from sort of 28 to 32 weeks is generally when you could expect to go into spontaneous labour and to have made it that far and not body to spontaneous labour, in my head, like I said, mm. being a, the control freak that I am, I was like, nope, I've still got another three days. You can't and admit me. I think that's got certainly because I was the same because I was a real planner. And to find out that my plans weren't happening, mm. was, I, really that blindsided me more than the fact that I was not going home from the hospital that day when I was yeah. turned up for mine. Um, so I, I, I totally understand and, and feel it's your weird. pain because, yeah. Because I had the same sort of meltdown, but I think mine was more because I'm not the planner that you guys are. I'm jealous now. My other half's going to hate me for that because he wants me to be. Um, but I think it was more fear. I suddenly was hit by that reality of fear of, okay, how is this going to go down? Did anyone else feel that? Yeah, I, I- definitely was. I had been to that many of the birthing sessions that I was fairly certain of how things would transpire, although I'd never, I'd never 
been through the birthing process before, but I'd watched that many videos. As I said, when we first found out they were expecting triplets, I went OTT on YouTube <laughs> looking at what to expect. And so in my head, I was thinking, all right, I know this is what's going to happen. I had written out this five-page birthing plan of everything that I wanted. Wow. And in hindsight, nothing really came to fruition yeah. on my birthing plan. But it made me feel that I'm doing it in any case. And at the end of the day, what I come to realize was I just needed to go with the flow because all it ended up doing was stressing me out. And as a result, I ended up putting myself into labor. So even though I'd, I'd been admitted with preeclampsia and they were prepping me for a section, the stress of everything actually put me into labor. Right. Fascinating. Yeah, that's, a, that's a big um, mm. mental leap for you to go through as well. Mm. It really was. So what happened yeah. from there? You've been admitted preeclampsia. Where do we go from there? So once... I had been admitted. I think it took them about six goes to try and get a cannula in my vein. And I'm terrible at getting needles, which is quite ironic considering after eight years of IVF, you'd think I'd be used to injecting myself with needles. But those cannulas, my God, it's like they're sticking a, a stick in your, in your veins. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the things yeah. and they can never find my veins. So with every attempt that they tried to get a cannula in, I'd just be a blubbering mess. And uh, then with going into labour as well, I was getting contractions. Uh, I was due to give birth. So that was a Friday they admitted me and they were planning to deliver the boys that same day. But I kept being bumped for more urgent delivery. And subsequently, I didn't deliver till Saturday. And I think it wasn't until around four o'clock. And in the room, there were well over... 30 people in this tiny, tiny room. So there were five people allocated for each baby. I had about five doctors working on me. Then he had nurses and I, there must have been a good six student midwives who just wanted to be present for the triplet birth. Uh, it was very overwhelming. So aside from getting the spinal and I had all of these people in the room, although hubby wasn't allowed in the room at that time, uh, so having spinal, that was stressful. It took them a good three or four goes to get that right. Uh, and then getting used to being totally numb, that was a, a whole new experience for me. Once everything was prepped and ready to go, they were ready to start the section. All of the, all of these other people just seemed to come out of the woodworks and surround me. And I'm a very claustrophobic person. Mm. They had the sheet right up near my nose so I couldn't see anything. My hands were stuck down on either side of me and I had all of these cannulas coming out of all of these things. Uh, I started hyperventilating. Uh, I think it was something to do with some of the drugs that they were giving me and one of the doctors said, oh, you've gone very white and clammy. Uh, and then they had to give me some drugs to reverse that. It was very traumatic <laughs> being surrounded by that and having that claustrophobic feeling where the walls just felt like they were they were closing in on me with all of these people. So it's like, yeah, when you um, picture yourself a, a finally becoming a mum, it's not the birth that you expected. Yeah. Certainly not. Definitely not. When This uh, is your <laughs> hypothetical single child birth, you know, Absolutely. five years into your IVF journey that you're going Absolutely. to have. Yeah, 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 I was the same. Yeah. Yep. It's, um, I mean, I was happy just to be able to give birth, but it certainly, I had not been prepared for just how many people would be in the room yeah. and then to be in that situation, it was completely daunting and, and overwhelming and did not help my mental state at that point in time either. I was the same. I was yeah. very surprised how many people were in the mm -hmm. room. I'd be interested to know if, um, and then maybe that's a question we can ask on the Facebook page, if you have a vaginal birth, if you have as many people in yeah, the room. Yeah, that'd be mm. an interesting question. I mean, certainly Janelle, for me, um, just talking through it, because as we said, Naomi and I haven't got to our birthing stories on this podcast yet. I've literally got tears in my eyes because uh, not to the same number of people, but not shy off it. You know, it, it's quite, it is not what you pictured. No. And look, for me, talking about a vaginal birth, it was just out of the question. As I mentioned, I had my paternal son was laying down across my cervix mm. and 
there was no way that none of them, the babies were not getting out. <laughs> they couldn't move. There was just not enough room in there for them to spin around. So my identical boys on either side of my belly were breached mm. and my fraternal was transverse across. So unfortunately, even trying to attempt a vaginal birth was totally out of the question. Uh, aside from the fact that they were all fairly good sizes as well. Aren't you lucky though now? Mm. Because if this had happened 20, 30 years ago, the chances of all three of them being born successfully would have been quite minimal. The fact that we could have a cesarean and that our babies were born safely, yeah. I, I'm always going to be forever grateful for that yeah, as well. Oh, we're yeah. totally privileged and mm. there's still mums in other countries that don't even have access to this. Yeah. That's true. So yeah, that, of, that's a um, yeah. medical intervention, which is very sad. And so know, what weights were they? Yeah. So my fraternal son was born first. He was uh, 2.8 kilos. Wow. Next was 2.5 and then 2.3 plus wow. two placentas plus all of the fluid. I was very heavy. <laughs> you did amazingly well. Did you get that skin-to-skin contact with them straight away? I didn't. So although they were good weight, they were still concerned being premature. So I didn't get to see them straight away. Daddy was able to go over to the little hospital beds that they have set up for them and, um, and get to meet them before I did and make sure that they were all okay. The last born was struggling a little bit he came out not breathing so they had to do a little bit of work on him before I could meet him but I think it was after about 10 to 15 minutes that we got our first family photo together they were all wrapped up like little caterpillars and in fact I shared a photo that particular photo with you Naomi I was just about to say I've got that I'll share that on our page yeah that's our first family photo together and it was a completely overwhelming experience to know that 10 or 15 minutes previous they were all there on the inside and then I wasn't a mum at that point and then 10, 15 minutes later here I am with three little humans either side of my head. It was a mind-blowing emotion. It really is, yeah. And they're so perfect, these little perfect things that have been hidden in your belly for the last 34, 35 weeks have just yeah. suddenly become babies. Doesn't feel real. Like mm-hmm. I can still vividly think back and I can put myself in that moment. If I just close my eyes and I can feel the doctor pushing around on my stomach, I can see my husband, the tears welling in his eyes as he comes over with one of our sons and puts him next to my head and being able to to touch them and and look at them and see their little features it's yeah nothing like it at all nothing will replace that feeling nothing can take that away Oh, you've got me, that's for sure. Um, yeah, but, I'm the same. <laughs> I literally have tears in my eyes, I'm not going to lie. Um, but was look, was there a part of you just going back, reflecting back on what we talked about last week and how one of the things that you said that drove you um, to fight so hard that you could do this despite the adversity that you were faced with very early on, um, was there a moment where you thought, and then obviously you had a long journey to go as we all do as mothers, but where you thought, I did this, I nailed these this pregnancy here at my three boys they're breathing they're alive I've done it it you know look it it certainly was a feeling of getting that far in the pregnancy when everyone was telling me oh you'll be lucky to make it to 32 weeks and being able to prove that well no I look I went an extra three or four weeks than what everybody had planned they were all healthy and I think particularly, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Because there was definitely a fuck you moment when it comes to my fertility specialist. Uh, thinking back to how dare she even question selective reduction. Yeah. And here I am looking at my three perfect little angels. Amazing. I just, I, uh, I can't fathom no. looking at them and thinking, oh my gosh. You're the one that was meant to not. Oh, I yeah. Can't say it. I can't even say it. No. Mm. You. Like, I'm forever wow. grateful that she 
she is the reason that we were able to fall pregnant in the first place. And look, I have recommended her to other people because she's bloody good at what she does in getting people pregnant. Yeah. But the bedside manner and her, I'll call it after-sale service, mm. uh, is less than desirable. Look, I think it's an absolute credit to you. Um, it must have been such an amazing moment. It really, really was. It really was. Like As I said, there's just no other feeling like it in the world. And even with uh, having my daughter last year, that feeling of having the three there, there's, it's just unexplainable. It and really is. You were a mother. After all those years, mm. you were finally a mother. Yes. And I don't think the realisation truly hit until the following day. Uh, I ended up being that drugged up on painkillers following the surgery. So after delivering the boys, I hemorrhaged. And while they were trying to fix the hemorrhage, my spinal wore off and I was able to start feeling all of the prodding and poking that they were doing. So... They started giving me locals all around the incision site while they were sewing me up. Gosh. And um, consequently, with the amount of local that they gave me, by the time I was in recovery, I would wake up for a minute and then I'd be back to sleep for half an hour. So it was several hours in recovery before I then got to go back to my room. And it wasn't until very late at night that I got to meet the boys for the first time. In fact, I still joke with uh, my family about how they were all in the room and the nurse had brought in my placenta because I insisted that I wanted to I wanted to be able to see what was sustaining the boys for all of that time. And being that there were two as well, I was curious as to the size and what they looked like and all of that. So it was probably around midnight that the nurse brought in the placentas and she put them out on this plastic mat on you know the food trays that are in the hospital <laughs> yeah <laughs> popped them out on that and stuck it over the bed so I could look at it because I'm having a section I couldn't move at that point and my family would be mid-sentence um talking to me and my mum and my aunt I remember them donning gloves so I'm like what, what on earth are they doing and then they started playing with it. It was so bizarre. Um, <laughs> but while they're talking to me, because I've had that many uh, anaesthetics to my to my system, I'd be mid sentence. I go, "Oh yeah, that looks good," and I was like, "I couldn't hold a conversation." And even when they brought, they didn't bring all of the boys in at once. They brought them in one at a time and introduced us. And then later that. Well, earlier that morning, they ended up bringing all of the new ones I was with it. But uh, even when I was first introduced to uh, my fraternal son, I remember the most handing him to me and my husband had to stand right next to me because I'd be there looking at him, admiring his little face, and then he could just see me slump. <laughs> and the baby would sort of slump with me as I fell asleep <laughs> It was really quite comical thinking back that I was so out of it, my goodness. Wow. So you were in the room and they brought the babies into you? Yes. Right. We ended up being in the two for six hours. Wow. And then they were deemed healthy enough to then be moved into special care, which meant that because they were all decent weight and they had no health issues, their only concern was the fact that they were premature and they couldn't suck properly. So they had the nasal tubes in their nose. Yeah. And other than that, they were able to come in and out of my room. They had to live in the special care nursery, but they were able to come to my room while I was still recovering from the section. So I could at least meet them because I was in no state to be going to special care at that point. Amazing. So Janelle, how long were you in hospital and how long were the babies in hospital for? I was discharged after three days and oh, that was a pretty dicey move from the hospital to release me after the three days simply because I had a fever when I left and I had expressed to the nurse who was processing my paperwork that I didn't feel right 
And he put it down to, oh, look, well, you've just given birth to triplets. What do you expect? But I knew in my body that something wasn't right. Anyway, I was released. And that night, so that was probably the morning of the third day I was released. That night, I, I could be coming from spending the day with the boys in the special care nursery. Uh, it was obviously the most that I'd been walking around up until that point, getting out of hospital, getting into the car, getting into the routine of being home again after a section. I was pumping every two hours so that I could take milk back to the boys the next day. And I remember sitting there pumping and I was just bawling my eyes out saying, I just don't feel right. I felt like I was going to vomit. Uh, my incision site felt like it was on fire, like it had opened back up again. Oh. And I couldn't see it. After being so stretched from the boys, I had such a mummy apron that the incision was buried under my skin. And I said to my husband, you're going to have to look for me. Like, what's going on down there? I remember putting my recliner chair out for him and laying right back and pulling this thing up towards agony. It was like it was stuck together. And he took one look and he said, you've got to go back to hospital. <laughs> it was just oh, no. too much information, but wow. it looked like it was all oozy and he could see infections rising up. Oh, so gosh. I had red all up my belly so we drove back to the hospital and um I was meant to be seen by one of the nurses that afternoon and for some reason they didn't manage to get to our house and we went back to the hospital it was that morning by that stage and we, we went straight up to see the boys um to make sure that they were all fine and we mentioned to the nurse on on duty that particular morning that looked the the home care nurse didn't drop by probably said oh my wife's really quite sick she really needs to see someone in hindsight I should have just gone straight to emergency because I was really unwell as it turned out uh once I was seen by a doctor they determined that I had retained placenta and I had cellulitis of my incision so because I was so stretched by the boys, I, my belly was covered in stretch marks. And again, you've got one of those pictures yes. that I'm happy for you to share. It's not the most glamorous photo. It was while I was in labour with the boys waiting to have the section. But you can see just how extreme my stretch marks were. But what had happened was it wasn't the incision that had been, become infected. It was my stretch marks had retained fluid or I'm not really sure of the technical term but the stretch marks had become infected themselves wow. is this and from the you could you had that pup is yeah. that from the, the it's not the, from the pup so uh, what's happened is when they've done the section incision the infection has the fluid has released out of the stretch marks because uh, I was so scratchy from scratching the stretch marks because my skin was so taut that uh, bacteria from my nails and my clothes oh. and everything rubbing against the incision and into the stretch marks had caused an infection. So by this stage, by the time the doctor had seen me, the infection was just below my boob. No oh, thing wow. that you know where infection scar is it's right oh. down to your pubic bone. So in the course of twelve hours from hubby saying this isn't right, you need to see someone to then being seen the infection had spread that much. And I had black texture all over my belly from that point forward, just being monitored as to how far the infection had spread. Uh, but consequently, the boys were ready to come home after about 10 days in hospital. But I'd been re readmitted because of this infection and had to be constantly connected to a drip with antibiotics. We had to be together because I was feeding uh, and they didn't want to set they didn't want to send the boys home without me being there so mm. consequently the boys were ready to go home before I was wow. which is pretty crap <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah oh but I goodness. think um in between all of this in addition to all of the medical stuff that has gone on uh 
there was also a transfer of hospitals. So as I mentioned, the boys were in special care nursery. Uh, they were not deemed as, as critical in any way, shape or form. They just had to learn to suck. And once they were able to suck, by that stage, as I said, I'd been readmitted to the hospital. They said, look, we are at capacity. We need the beds. We're taking up three beds. You've got private health insurance. We'd like to swap you over to a private hospital. And we straight away said, yeah, no problem. But the deal was, because I'd been readmitted, it had to be a package deal. I said to the doctor, look, I'm happy for you to move the boys out, but I have to be able to go with them. Mm. And the doctor had assured me that that would be the case. So all the paperwork was filled out for me to be transferred, for the boys to be transferred over to this private hospital. And the boys had gone at 6 o'clock that night and I was due to follow them. I was waiting and waiting and waiting. It got to about 11 o'clock at night and I had some doctor that I'd never clapped eyes on before walk into my room and I could see the look on their face that something wasn't right and I immediately thought something had happened to the boys. And this doctor says to me, look, I'm really sorry. And you never say, you'd never start that conversation to a new mum, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So I started crying straight away. Before I even know what's happening, she says to me, we can't transfer transfer you to the other hospital. There's no bed. So I lost my shit. Yeah, understandably. <laughs> lost my shit hardcore. Uh, and I had my mum and my aunt in the room. My husband wasn't with me at the time. I think he'd gone home to have a bit of a rest because he thought, all right, well, actually, no, he hadn't gone home to have a rest. He'd go out to follow the boys. Boys, yeah. Uh, so that's why he wasn't with me. So I had my mum and my aunt there as support people and my aunt ripped the doctor a new one and said, No, you have to have a transferred. That was not the that was not the agreement. Otherwise we would never have agreed to mm. move the boys out. Like we were awful. if we had been in a situation where we had to give birth at a private hospital and someone was holding up a bed that really didn't need to be there, I'd hope that someone would do the same thing and move to the the private hospital where they'd have coverage, Uh, but certainly not at the the, uh, expense of the mother not being able to be there as well. So the surgeon who performed the section, uh, she was a private surgeon who did the operation, she ended up being called in at uh, 3 a.m., that morning to sort everything out and she is my guardian angel who managed to get me transferred over. To be honest, I don't really understand what the issue was because when I arrived at the hospital, that, there were that many spare beds and uh. it just, for me, it was just added stress that didn't need to be there. But they made the mistake that because I had infection, they didn't follow protocol. If you've got infection, you meant to be quarantined if you're moving from a different hospital. And they let me go straight in and see the boys in the special care nursery with all of the other babies. Oh, no. Big no-no. So, uh, consequently, they quickly realised that they'd done the wrong thing and then they quarantined me and told me that I wouldn't be able to see the boys for three days. So, again, I was in a panic. Uh, and um, they ended up putting the boys in their own room so that I was able to go and see them because by this stage, my breast milk supply had taken a huge hit with all of the stress of infection and antibiotics and whatnot. So they were put in their own room so that I could at least get that into skin again, and I was getting much more milk by being able to see them and hear their cries and get that letdown happening. So we were in that hospital for a month in total. So after a month, we were then able to be released from hospital altogether. Wow. Wow. What a journey. Incredible. You've stumped us. <laughs> I don't know if you have anything to say because that was just <laughs> phenomenal. I think I've just talked for 10 minutes straight. <laughs> I, I genuinely am sitting here thinking the times that I've thought that, like, twins was bad I'm like oh I've got nothing (laughs) that was honestly uh like 
incredible. And thank you, Janelle, for sharing so much. That's totally fine. Um, it's it's, cool, it's actually good to have a medium to be able to share it. So I've I've touched on a number of these points in my own articles and things like that when I've been mm. interviewed for uh, a couple of the businesses that I have, but never to this degree. And mm. it's really quite therapeutic to be able to, <laughs> to get it off my chest. Yeah. And Janelle, I also want to say thank you because I think one of the biggest things that gets buried so often is the mum's health and not to the same extent as, as yourself, but I went through a few little things after the boys as well. And I think there's a lot of focus and quite rightly on our kids, but there's also a lot that can happen to you as a mother um, as yeah. a result of the post-pregnancy situation. So thank you so much for sharing that and bringing light to the fact that sometimes mum needs to be protected and the fact that you guys were strong enough as a whole to say, no, your boys need to be with you because that was 100% the right place for them. Like that is, that's an incredible story. Thank you for giving me the platform to be able to share it. It's not over yet. (laughs) Janelle, we want you to come back for a third time if that's okay. (laughs) That's fine. The boys will be sick by the time we finish. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I know both Naomi and I, and I'm sure our audience as well, are completely captivated um, by your story and and we are so grateful for you sharing so much detail on your journey. You know, these boys are now in our world born, but we want to find out so much more about how you then coped with being a mum to triplets and, you know, as we said earlier, I've become that single to mum, haven't I, Naomi? (laughs) You have. <laughs> I have. It's tragic. <laughs> so, Janelle, will you come back for us? Sure. The fun's just beginning. This is where all the stupid and dumb things come out of other people's mouths too who have, have no right in asking questions about truth. <laughs> oh, like me, I'm falling into that category. Look, before you go uh, this week, <laughs> we'll uh, find out your wins and losses. We'll do that next. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. That's just been absolutely amazing. And, I mean, I think that so many people are going to relate to that. Um, I think now we'll just move on to our wins and our losses for the week. Now, personally, I always like to finish the week on a high. So, Nikki, shall we start with your loss for the week? All right, well, I've done a you this week, Naomi. My loss and my win are kind of connected um, and a little bit of a random one, but this week was the first time that I found myself uh, with my twins standing in the middle of a cafe uh, looking like a robot. A robot? (laughs) Yes, like a robot. So I'd actually been to the hairdresser and I had my hair in foils and I had to do a hairdressing walk of shame because... uh, You went to the cafe? Yep, and I walked down the road from the hairdresser to the cafe with the boys, with my hair in foils, with the aprons, the the things still on from my hairdressing appointment to get my children milkshakes. The things that you do. (laughs) And the thing is, my sons, the whole way, everyone they walk past is, mummy's a robot. (laughs) So I call it my I call it my hairdressing walk of shame. So that was my fail this week. What about you, Naomi? That's hilarious. Um, Well, mine was um, not that much of a fun one, unfortunately. We've we've had this horrible fluey, virusy thing go through the house. Thankfully, just one person has got it, and that is our um, Oliver, my twin boy. Um, He's had quite a few days off school and various things, but I guess. Um, on the plus side, no one else has got it yet, so that's always a good thing. Oh, fingers crossed for you. And what about you, Janelle? Did you have you had a loss? Naomi, I can't remember if it was you that was saying on the last podcast that some of the most memorable things that children remember are what mothers will probably consider a fail. But for me, this week it was serving porridge for dinner. I just did not have it in me to be able to to whip together a cooked meal. So it was porridge. After starting a new job last week, I was just totally and utterly drained. So I thought, all right, I can't be bothered cooking anything. Boys, what do you want? Porridge, thanks. All right, porridge it is. Let's have that. (laughs) 
and the win is that they got fed. I was going to say, I'm not sure if that's a loss or more of a win. High five you. And you didn't have too many dishes to do. That's a total win in my eyes. Yeah. Oh, so true. Well, I don't know whether that's a loss or a win. Um, uh, My win, however, um, I'll say right now, as I said, linked to my other one, I went to the hairdresser, ladies. I did well it. Done. Now, I did not have any babysitting. I did not organize this. I woke up the morning of my hairdressing appointment and said, I've got to cancel this. I don't have any childcare. And then I thought, you know what? I am going to brave this. So I took my two three and a half year old boys to the hairdresser. You are a brave woman. Or potentially stupid. But. With the likes of iPads and then a trip halfway through the appointment down the road to get a coffee and a milkshake and then a little bit of iPad help, we were okay. So can I just say my first hairdressing appointment about six months. And can I just tell you that if you head to our Facebook page, Talking Twins and More, you'll see a picture of Nikki with her robot hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we'll share that. (laughs) Naomi, what's your win? Um, well, again, going back to back off mine, and my win is absolutely that so far no one else is sick. Oh, you know what it's like when you've got multiples, yes. or I guess this isn't just for multiples, but you've got a child. I guess with multiples, though, they, they are sharing the same thing because they're all at the same level. Um, yeah, it's only so far Oliver that's got sick and no one else. So I am counting that as a massive win. Huge touching wood for you. Absolutely. Janelle. For me, it would be the triplets now being able to dress themselves properly. And this can also be a bit of a fail because they've now also developed their own sense of style. So mummy picking out what they want to, what I want them to wear isn't flying like it used to. So we've got some really random looking outfits happening lately. But at least I don't have to dress them as one less thing I have to do in the morning, even if Absolutely. it is they're wearing a bucket hat with a tie and a hoodie and thongs. Who cares? They're dressed. And that is perfectly acceptable. Absolutely. Good on them. And, yes, as you said, that's one less, well, three less jobs that you need to do in the morning. Yep. This has been so awesome. Janelle, thank you so much for joining us once again. I know you're going to be back next week when we find out how life began for you guys as parents to triplets. If you've missed anything, of course, grab us on socials. And which is Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast. That's it for this week. We'll catch you next week. Looking forward to it. Bye. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au.